Welcome to the Sounds of the World. We are your hosts, Hillary and Bill. Together, we're going to travel around the world to discover new music, discuss musical topics, and interview fascinating people. Our world is a buffet of music, and it is time to eat. subject for today's episode. Uh, I hope you've listened to our previous episode where we talked with Nicole Casino uh, because we touched very briefly on this subject. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the marching music stylings that originated in the American South in the 1940s. It blends the traditions of military music and styles with some of the most popular chart-topping hits. In fact, this style of marching music surpassed the traditional athletics for which it would usually perform for. In 2009 survey, 83% of students and alumni attended football games only to see the marching bands perform, which is amazing. (laughs) Uh, Their shows are often characterized with flamboyant and gymnastic drum majors, high step marching rather than smooth smooth marching of drum and bugle corps, and portions of the show called breakdowns that highlight the entire band dancing. It reached a level of popularity among many new audiences with the release of the 2002 movie Drumline that starred Nick Cannon. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the marching bands of historically black colleges and universities, often referred to as HBCU schools. And and to talk with us is the assistant director of the Sonic Boom of the South from Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, Brandon Jenkins. Thank you so much, sir. Hey, man, I am happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. This is um, uh, an auspicious occasion, in my opinion. <laughs> I think uh, this is a conversation that um, uh, is very necessary, and I look forward to contributing um, to the dialogue. Perfect, perfect. Well, we're well, excited to have you. <laughs> definitely, definitely excited. Uh, like I was telling you kind of earlier on, I'm a big fan uh, hearing it for the first time when I actually went to Louisiana and heard Southern and Grambling and of course some of the high schools in that area for the Mardi Gras parades and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess the biggest thing is like, what is, what is this marching style? Like, where does it come from? What's the history of it? Well, I will say, um, you know, I, I think, and, and I think this is a good time to, uh, shamelessly plug uh, for several of my colleagues who have done dissertations uh, and and have wrote literature on the history of historically Black college and university marching bands. Um, but one thing I think contributes to the very origins of what we do today um, would be Dr. William P. Foster um, mm-hmm. from FAMU um, because during his time um, up until the 60s, you didn't really see a lot of the um, dancing and a lot of the popular music being played, even in the Black schools and in, in the Black bands. Um, I think it's interesting. I can kind of mesh our history at Jackson State with it because 
uh, in the 60s, uh, we had a legendary band director uh, by the name of uh, Professor William W. Davis. Uh, and William W. Davis was uh, a lead trumpet player and an arranger uh, in the Cab Calloway's band. And he was very fortunate uh, to take on the band program at Jackson State University. And he coined uh, a bit of our style today. If you listen to our percussion section, if you listen to how we play standard charts, you'll hear just a tee bit of swing. It's not, not very, uh, very huge. It's not a, a large in depth. Uh, um, but to that point, uh, William W. Davis, being a, uh, a member of Cab Calloway's big band, uh, he, when, when our band really started to get its identity, we were playing jazz charts. We sounded like a big jazz band on the field, okay? We were not playing Nicki Minaj and 2 Chains and, uh, you know, Charlie Wilson and Michael Jackson. You know, we weren't playing those tunes at that time. Um, but going back to uh, William Foster, Dr. Foster at FAMU, he really, and the FAMU program uh, as a whole, I think, really started and initiated this idea of dancing while you're playing, um, not only dancing while you're playing, because it was not necessarily for entertainment at first. This was just something that they just kind of ran into at band practice one day. You know, you just notice some students doing certain movements and, you know, it's like, hey, you know, let's, let's, in, let's incorporate that. Let's see, let's see what this looks like. And um, so, it, and a lot of people don't think about this, but at the very beginning, it was something fresh and new for the band. Yeah. You know, let's do, let's try this. Um, and what fueled um, the acceptance, I think, would be uh, this, the, the, the crowd's reaction when they first saw it. Uh, and when the crowd went wild, I, it was very obvious. And, and Dr. Foster is a smart man. I think we all know that. Yeah. And he knew that, hey, we, we're on to something here. Um, and so it really became um, the model for uh, historical black college and universities to not only um, have an exciting band program, but to and, and, and learn. Because as you know, and if you read, Dr. Foster was a very strict uh, musician. You know, he had uh, just as much as his uh, marching band was was you know, I, I pro they probably were more famous, but he, he put as much energy uh, into his concert bands as well. And so there was a very comprehensive program there at FAMU, which again, and that models a lot of what we do at Jackson State, you know, because okay. we too have a very comprehensive uh, program. And if you, if you ask me, I think we have the most comprehensive program, but I, I, I won't, I won't start that conversation. <laughs> um, but again, uh, you know, Dr. Foster, you know, they, they really realized that, you know, we can really entertain the crowd um, at these football games. And so it became this idea of the band, you know, will serve several purposes. Uh, I'll mention Dr. Isaac Riggs, the legendary band director at Southern University. Um, you know, I'll never forget hearing him say um, that his hearing his band is, is like a holy obligation 
is what he says because it's at the football game you're going to get good singing you're going to get good preaching you know you're going to get <laughs> baptized you're going to be feeling you're going to be in the spirit and you're going to have all those emotions at the football game and i think that idea it 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 really grew from what dr foster was doing by simply incorporating dance movements um in their the their routine um and of course it has evolved those dance movements have evolved to uh, a, a full-out breakdown, you know, where yeah. <laughs> there's a whole section of the halftime show devoted to, uh, you know, dancing, you know, and, and really all in the crowd. Um, you know, as a band director, I've, I've had several years uh, as a high school band director. And my high school program, I, I was a director at Heritage High School in Palm Bay, Florida. And we were uh, a program modeled after the HBCU style as well. I've been doing this. I'm HBCU bred, and that's just what I do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anywho, we uh, we we would do that, and I can remember, uh, you know, we'd be marching in a parade, and you would. I mean, I could get cussed out left and right if the band didn't break it down right where whoever <laughs> wanted the breakdown to happen. They're like, break it down right here, right here. Um, and it really kind of, and I knew this because growing up, I would, you know, go to the homecomings and be just as infatuated with that. Um, the majorettes was my thing. I loved the gals and the marching band. I thought, you know, the auxiliary was just cool. Um, and yeah. and I'm, I, I hate to tell my age, but when I was growing up, it was the majorettes, you know, where they had the tassels and, you know, <laughs> and I would always, as a, as a, as a tot, you know, being close to the ground, I would always, you know, feel the vibrations from the drums and I'd see those tassels, you know, and I just, I'm like, oh man, this is just an interesting organization, you know, that's coming down the street for free. But anyway, um, you know, when I, when I realized that everyone in the parade wanted the band to, to break it down and dance, they didn't care how, how much I prepared on those charts, on the music. Okay? Right. <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't care about those crescendos and day crescendos <laughs> and those, those staccatos and Lagarde. They didn't care about the style and, and us, us playing music. They wanted to see how the band was going to break it down. Yeah. And uh, again, I think, I think that, that, that comes from, um, you know, the, the very origins of what we do. And, um, and I will say, I credit that to Dr. William P. Foster. Um, and again, uh, I've kind of connected that in, in, in several different ways, but I, I hope to have, have given uh, a brief history of what we do. I hope that, I hope that suffices. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's great. I mean, uh, when I was doing, just looking up what the style of marching band was like, I remember seeing, footage on youtube of dr foster's uh like ceremony not ceremony but um uh after his death when famu had a big mm -hmm. concert for him and stuff and they had they played elsa's procession to the cathedral and yeah. i uh, believe that was his favorite tune yeah i think so I, I don't i don't i don't don't quote me on that but i i think that was his his favorite tune i i know that's something that they they keep in the repertoire yeah <laughs> It's like my director. It, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but then it panned up at the big climax of the piece. They had like all the sousaphones in the back and the balcony and the more people with the brass up there. And it's just not even in the building and, you know, 1,200 miles away. And I got goosebumps. I still get goosebumps just thinking about it.
when I was doing research to get ready for this also, I noticed that it did say something about that it was somehow connected to minstrel shows. Like, is that... I saw that in your notes, man. I I've, I don't know that. I don't know okay. that to be true. I don't know that to be true. I have no knowledge of that connection. And, you know, I would have to... I was going to ask for that research, man, but I, I didn't want to dig too deep into that. But yeah. I, I have... I don't think that that has, to my knowledge, any connection. It it literally, like I said, it you know, from what we know from our research, um, I think there are several uh, dissertations. I won't say several, but there's enough. You, it's something that could be e- easily Googled, you okay. know, um, where this idea of dancing and entertaining. Um, because, see, when you get into the menstrual idea, you... I think race becomes, you know, part of that fabric. Right. Um, where really and truly this idea came from African Americans or black people entertaining other black people. Right. As simple as that. Simple right. as that. And 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 even then I'm sure it wasn't completely um black, but that is essentially where that idea grew. Um now I would not be surprised if um, there were negative connotations to then get intertwined. Um, but if I, if I could be true to the very origins of what we do, I would not say that there is a connection there. Yeah. I, it seemed like a very weird kind of connection that the, that's research had been make making. And then I was just like, no, I got to ask someone who's in this to know for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 even though that this it's a, uh, I guess, an art form, at some in some form or fashion, it's I, I would I would see it a stretch, to intertwine that art form with, what marching band does in terms of musicians, you know, in that environment and how they perform. Now, just the now the element of entertainment, I, I can kind of connect that. But even so, I would say this grew, again, for the record, you know, Black people entertaining other Black people. Um, just as simple as that. Perfect. Perfect. Very cool. Man, how, I just, I'm so struck by just the the beauty and the energy of, like, being able to dance and, like, that expression that happens when you're playing music because, I mean, I grew up in Texas and they had a pretty robust band program. Um, And so Mm. we got more of that strict marching style where it's like you're going to look a certain way as you're playing. And then when I moved to Montana, it was very much like we barely have a band together. Um, We need to look (laughs) as good as we can. Otherwise, they're going to cut our funding. Um, So I'm just like, ah, it's such a like, I'm like not envious, but I just like, that sounds like so much fun. It just like, what a cool spirit. Like, and it's such a contrast from like the rigid concert style of like, you're going to sit, you know, and I, and there's, there's merit mm-hmm. in that as well. But I'm like, God, that just sounds like so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. I will tell you, um, I had an interesting um, musical upbringing, if you will, because yeah. I went to a school in which it was not predominantly black. In fact, it was predominantly white. And uh, the band was a core, it was a core style band. And this is high school. So I had already been sold to band by now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was just kind of like I had to deal with the band that I was in. Mm-hmm. And so I was there and I kid you not, every year 
we would play the the local sh- show band that the high the high school that had all of the, it was predominantly black and they did the show style band mm-hmm. and every year I you know I'd be at that game you know in our DCI like uniforms with our DCI like show and 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 it just be this 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 hole in my heart yeah you know it yeah. it's a hole I'm like you know I'm missing something you know yeah um it, it was does. like God, they are ha- they are having fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I would go you know I'd go to the uh the parades <laughs> where the the local HBCU would have the homecoming and I would get the same feeling I go to those games on Saturdays and just really I was just geeking out with band and I couldn't wait to possibly be a part of that I didn't know that I would yeah. but um mm-hmm. so I I did end up going to an HBCU for for undergrad but I will tell you it was a a huge culture shock because it's totally yeah. different than you know course style so yeah me even being a black person I had to <laughs> whew, get together pretty quick <laughs> you know <laughs> oh no that's that's very cool yeah. yeah, can't even imagine. I mean, like, I went to a very rural school where we had like thirty kids in band, and like it was grades seven through twelve, and we never really made it past our like mini pet band songs that we'd play. Yeah. So when I see these like high school bands just out on the field marching, and it's it's kind of the same thing. Where I'm like, man, that'd have been so cool to be a part of, and just yeah. didn't have the the opportunity up here. But it's I just I really very much enjoy watching just all of it. It's, yeah amazing (laughs) yeah and i think the one of the biggest differences at least for me was when just looking at the makeup of an eight you know a show style march versus a drum like say a stand not standard but like a regular um marching man that i you know we might be used to it's like um you might be able to talk a little bit about how the makeup is different from say like a stanford band to uh jackson state I will say, I, I, in terms of Stanford, you do you mean the Big Ten bands that march similar? Um, well, I mean something like um, uh, maybe not a non-show style march or non-show style marching band. Oh, perfect. Okay, perfect. I, I just I just so, throwing Stanford out as like an example. So, or okay, something. gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. I, I'm not too familiar with the Stanford program. Okay. But I, you know, like I know sometimes uh, people will ask, you know, comparing it to like Ohio State and like Michigan and, and some schools who do uh, appear to march the same, you mm-hmm. know, with the high step, right? Uh, but even still, the 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 makeup, the design is different. Um, now I can't speak, and I don't think that there's any one uniform makeup or design. I think you'd find. Okay that each, like even from HBCU to HBCU, you'll find major differences. Uh, even though the product can be similar, uh, the design, and I think it all aligns with, you know, the director bands or whoever is in complete control. And, that, and you know, even beyond that, I think there are some institutional designs that would also change how the different programs uh, operate. So I don't think there's one way, but I will say that I do have experience in both. Um, okay. As you know, I am completing my doctorate at USM. Uh, I am working on my dissertation and um, prayerfully in May, I will be done with this. Um, 
but I'm 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 having a ball. Um, so, <laughs> um this is uh, it's my last year in this, and my first two years I had the pleasure of being a grad assistant. So I taught classes, I work with the band, but most importantly, I work with the marching band. Okay. And I know exactly how that, which is a totally opposite program, um, it's, right, right, it's in Mississippi, it's in Hattiesburg, whereas um, Jackson State is in Jackson. Um, but the Mississippi program, um, in terms of design and makeup, would be very different. Um, I don't know that it's consistent with what other non-HBCU programs do. But the main differences from a very general aspect, I would say, um, is the rehearsal structure. Um, mm. I think the rehearsal structure, you will find similarities in leadership. Mm -hmm. You'll find similarities in um, the leadership structure, the chain of command, um, you know, band directors down to the, you know, student leadership, things like that. Um, I have found it to be some striking, strikingly um, um, identical models in terms of leadership, actually, uh, which has been cool. Uh, yeah. It's very cool uh, to know that we, we're uh, on the same wavelength with some things, you know. Um, but uh, the, one of the most different things are the, the practice regiment. Um, I will say that from my experiences, from observation of other core style programs or non-HPCU programs, I'll say, um, and then definitely USM, the University of Southern Mississippi, that is, because I have worked, um, you know, hands-on with them for for two years, two and two years and some change, really. Um, I will say that the rehearsal structure, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, one of the biggest things or the biggest differences um, in the rehearsal structure is the time, the time. Um, okay. When I arrived to USM, um, and mind you, I will say that all I know is in terms of college band is HBCU. That's all I know. Uh, when I became a high school band director, my high school marching band rehearsals were modeled after the HBC. It was tough. And I, I thought that I was going to get a lot of rebellion uh, about running such a such a harsh regimen. And I'll kind of get into what the HBCU do so you'll kind of understand what I mean by harsh regimen. But, it, you know, I thought I would get rebellion um, at the high school level. Uh, and I will never forget my after my first day of band camp, my first full day, my first day of band camp, they came in, you know, we did music, we talked about what we we're going to do, we played. Uh, and then the second day is their first day of PT, physical training, uh, in which they showed up at 530 in the morning. And that was like, you know, like uncalled for, right? You know, what, what, what's going on? Now, this is this is what was um, this is what happened to me my freshman year in college. You know, I got our band camp letter, and I saw that there was PT at five thirty a.m. I said, "Oh my goodness!" But you know, uh, when you listen to your grandparent tell you about how they were in band, and it's always a hundred times worse conditions, you know, you know, we, we say, we, we, right. We say it's cold at band practice. And now, well, back when I was in band, we had to practice in nine feet of snow. You know? and, and so I found myself 
enjoying, you know, being in those uncomfortable situations. Cause I'm like, man, you know, nobody in the world is having band like this. I can't wait to tell, you know, my students, I can't wait to, to be the person who is, who is watching my students struggle with six inches and pushups at five 30 in the morning and, and running and, and, and all this training, you know, um, that at the time kind of seemed unnecessary, you know, yeah. uh, but it, it, it just kind of seemed like boot camp. It was like, look, if we're going yeah. to be able to wear the stripes and, 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 and put, put, put the S on our chest or the JSU on our chest, Sonic Boom on our chest, or, you know, where I went to undergrad at Winston State University with Red Sea of Sound, you know, uh, if we're going to put that uniform on, no matter where it's at, you know, we're going to make it through camp and prove something, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, so yeah, I felt that way as in there. And I wanted to give my students that same experience and at the high school level. And they hated it. They hated it. <laughs> they were hurting. I mean, you know, I can remember my first sprint and I had like, a, I remember a mellophone player just threw up. You know, I didn't know if I was in trouble or if I had done, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know. Oh man, it's, this kid's been on the couch eating cereal all summer and he, he just ran for me and threw up. I couldn't believe it. And I'll never forget the second day I had my parent meeting, 6, 6 p.m. I always wanted to, I, again, this is how my band director did at college. I just modeled everything like it. And, you know, that gives the parents two days to experience their child in camp a little bit. And then we have this meeting. So right. if there are any concerns, I, I get to hear about it. <laughs> and when I tell you, I heard no concerns. I did hear some people, a few parents said that well, we were wondering what in the world you were doing with them at 530 in the morning. <laughs> uh, but you know, hey, look, if, if you can get them out the house at 530, then look, you go ahead. <laughs> and there was a lot of that. And But one particular parent told me, she said, I don't know what you did, but my son came home, he got in that shower, and he went into bed. I need you to keep doing that. <laughs> keep doing that. And I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And when we had the showcase, because again, they put those students through two weeks of that. We had the showcase, you know, where I had a drill, I had a breakdown, you know, they wanted to, you know, I had all of that in place, you know, mm -hmm. um, and they learned that that physical training was necessary because as you, you know, um, Hillary, as you mentioned, uh, you know, it is a lot of fun and it takes a lot of energy to yeah. do that and yeah. um you know as a as a member you know now thank god i'm a band director I, <laughs> i'm getting in shape now for band camp we get ready for spring yeah. I'm get, i have to get in shape you know as a, as a band director i'm yeah. getting in shape so it's, it's tough but as a student um i just remember knowing how tired i felt after a halftime show mm -hmm. uh and i remember saying oh i cannot do the things that a normal college person would want to do. Now we still did them anyway, but then we just, we just kind of said, you know, we'll just put up with the consequences. Cause you know, it's, it, we get some give here and some give, you know, no pain, no gain. Right. You know? So um, anyway, it takes a lot. And so you, it, there has to be some physical conditioning and that is a huge difference, um, you know, in the, in the rehearsal regiment, you know, I think, at uh, USM, there, we do a little conditioning. We do we do some. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we may take a lap or two, uh, you know, 
but that's about we we definitely do stretches you know because uh a lot of what the non-hpcu style bands do uh rely on more of the body um Mm -hmm. in terms of movement you know um where we have uh pretty much a strict regiment you know that just stays consistent throughout the entire drill uh, until it is time for the dance movement, which at the end still, th- they aren't dance movements that, that we would fine tune like we would fine tune um, a, a DCI movement. Right. You know, when you see, when you notice, a, a, I don't know exactly what they're called, but when it's like a, a some type of group movement, if they all kind of curtsy together or, you know, they all have some type of movement they do together. Um, you can see that it's really fine-tuned to mm-hmm. the T. Uh, we generally stray away from motions like that, you know. Um, you know, the most complicated movement that I've seen, I've, I've seen uh, Michael Jackson moves incorporated in uh, like an, an MJ show. Um, but then still, it's not something that, that has to be... Um, you know, as fine-tuned as what DCI or non-HBCU bands do. Um, but to my point, the, the energy that it takes to to put on those, uh, to play and dance at the same time, but even just to dance, you know. Yeah. I'm a sousaphone player. I'm a tuba player by, by um, nature. And uh, I was tasked. I, I just, I didn't have to dance as much because somebody had to play the bass line. <laughs> Yeah. So that was the sousaphone section. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't have to um, dance as much, but we had to carry those sousaphones. Yeah, and yeah. we had to oh, march oh, with those sousaphones, and uh, and again we had to put on the show. So they don't want to just see you march and play. Uh, you got this big <laughs> horn. What you gonna do? Yeah, uh, you, you gonna put it on your head, balance it. You gonna put it on your finger and turn it around. What are you gonna do? Uh, fam you uh, they they have uh and every program kind of has something special that they do with the sousaphones fam you uh in their field routine they their sousaphones will jump up and hit a split just like the regular band members wow look it up youtube yeah look it up they do that's nuts yeah they do it they do it with a sousaphone yeah do that with yeah thank thank god i wasn't i wasn't a part of the family band because i can't imagine that now what we would do is we did have ways that we we could swing it and you'd be like oh man how in the world you did that big old horn but it's really just a play on gravity i like to say because like once you get it started (laughs) that becomes it's like listen it's falling really i'm just kind of managing the fall i'm not i'm I'm not really making it do nothing But um, yeah, so that I would say again, you know, again to your point, the, the the makeup of the programs, I would say, the rehearsal because I think both programs, even though they're different, um, or non-HBCU and HBCU programs, um, I think, uh, and there's bad on both sides of that. I'll say that there's yeah. some bad non-HBCU and there's some bad HBCU but very good quality programs on both ends of the spectrum. They sound good and they look yeah. good and, and they do very well with what they do. The main difference in, 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 in terms of that preparation to get to that glorious product, uh, I would say, uh, you know, uh, the rehearsal being um, the physical uh, portion. Um, I would also say the time. You know, uh, when I got to USM my first year after being a high school band director, and again, I told you I modeled my program yeah. much as that. So not only did we get up for 530 at PT during band camp, but a regular band marching band practice at my my high school 
Uh, mm-hmm. We'd start at four and I'd let him go about nine o'clock. Wow. wow. School, school, school got out at three. Um, and so you say, man, that is a huge schedule um, yeah. or a long schedule. And, but yeah, five hours is mm. I would take. And, you know, it started with a very detailed warm up, very similar to Jackson State now. Very similar because I modeled a lot what I do after Jackson State program. That's kind of how I fit right on in because um, <laughs> I know what we do and, and and I can help on the upward trajectory. Right, right. And um, yeah. anyway, so, you know, I would I, my rehearsals, we, we had a lot. We had a very extensive warm up. I treated it as though they didn't practice on their own because um, I had an interesting program. You know, I had beginners have, you know, about a quarter of my band were beginners, people who I just found and gave them a horn. I'm like, Look, you're going to be in the march band. You're going to play. You're going to help me attract people to this band. And, um, you know, so we start with long tones and chorales and lip slurs and scales. And um, one thing that I did that other high school bands didn't do was I played marches. Oh, wow. And so I, I played about, uh, see, I did King Cotton. Mm. I did, uh, I can't remember, you know, these all these marches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> King Cotton, them bases, little easy marches like that. Jackson State does seven. Oh, wow. And he does 20. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that just speaks volume, too. I mean, because it's, it's easy to look at a finished product and go, like, wow, they make it look effortless. And then just speaking to the amount of effort that goes into these things, like, no, we were getting up at 5.30, and we were running, and we were doing all the things. Like, But it's it's so cool to see, like, and just to hear you talk about like even taking kids that you know haven't had probably little experience with this and maybe never picked up a horn in their life but i think it's powerful just speaking about the um you know what hard work can do and and the amazing things you can accomplish but yeah you do have to put that time in but it's it's it sounds like it's absolutely worth it and just it is powerful it, it is that really i i find to be a huge difference when you compare the rehearsal and the preparation to non-HBCU bands. <clears throat> I will say, excuse me, I'm just clearing my throat back to back here. I'm getting it together, guys. I, I was getting ready to die five minutes ago. I'm, I promise you. Coming back. Uh, it's, not, it's not COVID. I, I, I promise you that. Just a little bit of lint. Now, um, the one I'll say another shocker for me uh, coming to the USM program from my high school program again I I just told you I w- we would go from four to nine mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell you those kids loved it because nine o'clock I'll just say this nine o'clock and I'll be trying to get home after the day I've had you know it's, it's late for everybody all the other band directors they used to talk junk Jenkins working too hard over there <laughs> doing too much man the kids would literally have sectionals scheduled and I would be so awed. And, you know, especially in my younger years where I'd have, I was there, you know, single, I didn't have any, I I, listen, I'd be there right along with them. And we would most nights get out of there 11 midnight. Wow. I don't like to tell that story a lot. People think I'm, I'm, I was crazy, but (laughs) we would get done and the kids would want to perfect because one thing you'll notice is HBC bands don't use liars. You know, yeah. everything we play is memorized. And so 
that takes time. And so the section leaders, the student leadership, they were always willing to put in that time and that effort to even stay beyond the, the nine o'clock um, rehearsal. But now, mind you, when I arrived to USM and I looked at the rehearsal schedule and I saw that they didn't rehearse on Mondays, I saw that the Tuesday through Friday rehearsal was four to six. Mm. I said, oh my God, I've, I'm, I'm getting ready to have a whole bunch of time on my hands. <laughs> and 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 subconsciously, I'm thinking, this band must not be too good. <laughs> they, they only rehearsing two, two hours a day. What in the world is going on? But I went to our first rehearsal as a band GA. I'm trying to do my job, taking attendance to, you know, see this is this is before the age of of, of the Rona, as people would say. <laughs> so this is back when things are normal, you know, I'm fixing coolers and, and, and doing my job. But I noticed how quickly the music came together, how quickly the drill came together, and how that rehearsal flowed. Uh, yes, it was two hours and we were out of there, but so much got accomplished. And, you know, I'm there to learn. I sit down with the director, who's Dr. Colin McKenzie, is a great mentor, um, a great friend. He is a true, is just an amazing conductor, an amazing band director. Uh, he is the associate director of bands at USM now. He's the director of the Pride of Mississippi Marching Band. Um, he ba pretty much explained to me that uh, you have to have a goal. And you get in there and you, you meet that goal. And if you set that time, two hours, that's the time that that goal has to be met. Mm. And that's it. <clears throat> wow. And I think, I think HBCUs can do better. I think we can, and Jackson State is. Um, we were, we were uh, at one point and quite recently uh, a program to be out there, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm working on our field show, you know, because we have to fix music and we have to fix drill. And then we have to fix music and drill, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we're tightening all of that stuff, um, you know, and it just, it takes so much to do dance routines, making sure everything flows, um, you know, in our show. And so it takes that, but we have, organized our rehearsals so we have structured our rehearsals we've kind of had we've taken the lead of our our brothers and sisters um, on the other side of this thing um and we've compromised uh now we, we're not quite mature enough for the two-hour limit but we have brought that that 11 12 1 2 o'clock um we have we have shaved that down to we know that we are wrapping up around 10 and that's still late that's yeah. Like, um, but we are starting at five five thirty. Um, but you know, it's it's still a lot of time. Um, mm -hmm. but that, and I and you'll find that to be consistent amongst other HBC programs too. It just takes time to do what we do. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, uh, as a band member, as and even now as a band director, when you're making all that noise at eleven twelve o'clock at night. You know, oh yeah. Um, but you don't have people, you don't, you don't have people. Sometimes I imagine, I thank God I'm not a, a northerner. Cause I imagine, uh, if there's an HBCU band disturbing the peace in New York city, how you, I could just imagine what the people would be screaming out of, out of the windows. 
Oh yeah. Um, but I, in in the South, you don't have that, man. When the band is cranking at eleven, twelve o'clock, you have people literally, you know, sitting on their porch with a glass of Kool-Aid, you know. <laughs> Not even a glass, it's, it's a mason jar of Kool-Aid, you know. And it, it was it's red. It's red Kool-Aid too. And that's 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 the the prime ultimate chilling drink you know we are the band is out there let's see what's let's see what's happening let's see if we right. catch them breaking it down you know yeah. <laughs> break down in front of us <laughs> they um, they love it man they love it oh yeah i taught percussion uh at a high school in idaho for a while and uh we would have our we would get up by six be at the field by like a quarter to seven and we couldn't even touch the drum to hit it until after seven because the few times that it actually, you know, someone might have hit the drum just goofing around or whatever, before seven, someone called the police uh, because of a noise ordinance. And we got talked to by the police department about making sure that we keep quiet till seven o'clock in the morning. But then I waited and my, my, when it was seven o'clock on my watch, I was like, go. And the drums were just like, <laughs> kick, 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 kick. We're going to wake you up now. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. The most I, I've ever experienced of that is um, some of the other college professors complaining when they're ah. teaching their uh, evening and night classes. <laughs> they're like, oh, I have to stop class when the band's marching to the practice field. Everybody's just so distracted. They got to see the band go down the street. And I'm just like, hey, just incorporate that. That Isn't that, isn't that a nice, that's an incentive to, to take an evening and weekend class. Yeah, you know, exactly. You get, to, you get to enjoy the marching band. Yeah. You know, we can. If I was teaching a class, I'd just say, "This is the break. This is the time yeah. we get to break." <laughs> Everybody enjoy the band going down the street. Yeah. But you know, you know, at nighttime, eleven, twelve o'clock, people are on their porch. Um. Mm. You know, because the HBCUs are generally in an area that represents their community, mm. not not to. The, the institutional community that is so basically mm -hmm. you won't see too many hbcus in a predominantly white area so, right right you know You know, and thinking about the long practice rehearsals that you had as HBCU school or in your high school program, I used to play tuba myself, a sousaphone, and I would just think about how beat up my chops were when I did drum corps. And I just, you know, how do you get them to rehearse for so long? And, you know, they're, you know, I guess renowned for having like big puffy cheeks when they play in those screaming high in trumpets and uh so like the 
they're so loud, I mean, and not somehow you have negative side effects. Okay, well, we don't teach the puffy cheeks. That's okay. actually a pit. That's actually a pit peeve of mine when I see that. Oh, I, cool. Because it's it's that really I think uh, is a defect is is an embouchure defect I think, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it 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 just doesn't serve any purpose for intonation and trying to get the pitches to be spot on the way we want it to be. Because when you think about it, you know, when you blow your cheeks out, you have air that's going here right. before it goes out, you know. And I just think that that's kind of putting the air flow or the, the stream of air through uh, a bit of stress. Mm. So it's just, it's, it doesn't really work in, in my mind. So as, you know, I always discourage it. And, um, you know, I, I try to fix it. But then, you know, you could, you think about, you know, Dizzy Gillespie, you know, and <laughs> you look at him and, 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 you know, we wish we could play the horn like he could, you know. So, right, right. <laughs> uh, I know there's some give and take to that, but um, that's not anything that we necessarily teach. Um, now, um, as far as uh, the the things that, that kind of happen when we, when we play – we are generally smart, and I think good band directors are. I, I know you, you have bad leadership everywhere, but good band directors should be able to gauge how to manage those long rehearsals. Um, and one thing that we do is we definitely do a very good warm-up, an extensive warm-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely do a lot of playing, but we, in the learning process, we do a lot of singing and buzzing. Uh, and fingering you know so uh, we also do a lot of playing down um so um we are especially hbcu bands are notorious uh and they've been um characterized by the exuberance that comes in the the for tc ec 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 mode (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean oh yeah um and I will tell you that, man, I am just a fan of the goosebumps that I get uh, when I hear uh, my arrangement played uh, a big wall of sound like that uh, and, and, and the, the exuberance that you feel at those games with that type of energy. Oh, it's yeah. magnificent. Um, however, when we're practicing, we don't play like that 100% of the time. Um, that generally comes at the very tail end of our preparation for performance. Uh, okay. Those students, they have to know the song before they get to play it loud, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we do a very good bit of playing um, on the um, softer end, more calm end. Um, but it does go up. And when it goes up, it goes up an octave or two. <laughs> yeah i i there was we were at a mardi gras parade in baton rouge and there was a small little high school and going by maybe 40 people but they sounded like some of the bands i've heard that have over 100 people just the amount of volume that came out i was just blown away it's just it's amazing <laughs> and invigorating <laughs> I mean, yeah, to some people that that could be disturbing. And I think when it's done, (laughs) when it's done poorly, it Uh can be. And I mean, even us, you know, when we hear, uh, we call it old country bumpkin. ah, 
I'm not gonna say all of the words, man. I, I, I want to be nice, but we have we have some words that aren't so nice for bands that we hear doing that. Uh, you know, so-called HBCU bands, you know, mm-hmm. that do that. You know, and we like, man, what are you? What's going on over there? You know, but you know, it's 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 something that when it's done correctly, um, and they're different styles. I, I find Jackson State to be my favorite. I think we do it the best. Nobody does it better than Jackson State University. Sonic <laughs> Boom South. Little Boom. <laughs> but uh, I think FAMU does very good for what they do. I will tell you my favorite band um, that is, uh, you know, from the spectator level, um, uh, when I was a high school band director in Florida, um, I I knew nothing other than Jackson State, uh, and, my, and there was nothing other than Jackson State in my head at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I got accustomed to the Florida bands, Fam, You, and Bethune Cookman. Yeah. And I will tell you, Bethune Cookman is a very fine band, very fine band. Doctor um, Donovan Wells is the director of bands there, and, and he he is just an outstanding band director. Yeah. He's got an outstanding staff. Uh, and that program, that band is just fantastic. Uh, and they have a style of playing that even at their loudest volume, you can hear the clarinets at the Altissimo Register. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just it wow. just blows my mind. And I had the pleasure of uh, being with him at uh, the Florida Classic in 2017. I listened to that band. I said, you know, was that, were those the clarinets? You know, I'm just... I'm knowing the trumpets are just playing as soft as they can play off the staff, you know, right. but those were clarinets and, and the band was at its full volume. Wow. Uh, and I will tell you that it, it, sometimes our woodwinds can get lost when we crank it up, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and um, it was just so interesting to hear that. Um, now, uh, while at Jackson state, um, we can play Bethune Cookman and then there's a totally different feeling because, and I'm wondering, you know, I don't feel the same energy, you know, I don't feel the same exuberance, the, the goosebumps, you know, I'm not getting that, 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 that Tony seasoning in my gumbo, the way, <laughs> I, you know, the way I want, you know, when I listen to some of those arrangements, but then when, you know, when we turn something on, I can feel it, you know, I can feel it and it gets in my, my bones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like, you know, uh, we, we're band directors and we're trying to uphold a certain image. Um, but then we can hear a certain song and then we just look like one of the students, you know, <laughs> uh, but with the band director uniform on, you know, in front of the band, just just going nuts, you know, and just conducting from the, our heart and um, really proving a point. And I, just nothing comes close to that feeling, man. You know, yeah. walking down a parade and, in, in you know, say we're Mardi Gras, you know, the band is just playing. And, you know, I mean, you just walking down that parade and everybody's just so infatuated with the sound. Um, it's just very interesting. And it's, you know, I, since I was 12 years old, uh, I think I'm 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 about 30 now. I, I don't keep up with it anymore. I, I, don't, I don't know how old I am, really. but I do know it. You're in good company, right? 
but uh, when I was when I was 12 years old, I was I was I noticed that you know I had that experience at a parade, and I knew I said you know this is it. I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. And I knew even then that I wasn't gonna be marching in the band for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be a band director. Yeah. You know, so that's how I was gonna do it for the rest of my life. Oh, I got chills. So I would I would say that I would say that mostly that is you know how we approach the rehearsal. We don't really play like that a hundred percent of the time um, because we do have to take care of our musicians um, mm-hmm. and we have to be smart with that. Um, mm-hmm. Now I will say um, one experience I had as an undergraduate, as a sousaphone player, um, the sousaphones play very loud all mm-hmm. the time in, in um, uh, our bands. And I had to get used to that. I had to get used to making certain notes sound a certain way. And it caused so much um uh, you know, it was just so much stress on my lips. Um, and I remember, you know, I, I gotten like a blister, like, you know, and eventually mm-hmm. my lip had busted. Um, yeah. and I, I was told that that was, um, it was basically, basically like, um, breaking your sousaphone virginity. I, so I, <laughs> it was explained in a very, uh, way way more vulgar way yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I, this, I think this is as light as I can put it you know it was just kind of like breaking my sousaphone virginity oh, God. and uh, they were like oh yeah you good now you good you know you, you see blood you see blood coming out of the spit well you know you Oh, you know, you you in there, you know, once that heal up, you ain't gonna never stop playing. You go you gonna have lips of steel, you know. And so there's always a story. And and the tubas will have the worst. Low brass yeah. will have the dirtiest jokes. They will I mean in every ensemble it's always like that. Um I sit in history class and, and the tubas always have the dirtiest way to remember some <laughs> historical fact, you know, it's like I feel like that's a universal thing, man. It's universal. It yeah. is universal. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, so, and, and that's kind of my story with that. Um, but I will say as a teacher, as a band director, I have not had a lot of conversation on that because I'd hate to tell a student that that's what has to happen right. before you can. Um, because now I do know that coincidentally, and I really think this is a mind thing, but when it healed up, I was good to go. I mean, mm. I could play loud and I didn't have to worry about the, it was kind of like they were right, but yeah. I still don't want to admit to it because it's just so crazy. You know? <laughs> oh, um, so I don't I don't teach that and I don't I don't we don't I would hope that we don't teach that. But yeah. um I, I will say that you just have to be as banderer because you have to be very cautious. Um and I know at Jackson State um, we are so you know we'll if if we play if we play a song up and it's not perfect the next time we we'll play it down um, and fix what we want and then wait a time or two before we play it up we won't go back to back because eventually as the season gets longer we our repertoire grows mm-hmm. and so when we are playing up you know there will come a time in the season where we're playing fifty sixty tunes up wow. And that's a lot of music. And so yeah. even then, we have to be careful. And people say, you know, we, you, we prepare for battle. One good thing about when we battle another band or when we're playing in a, um, 
back and forth with another band is we have to give the other band an, an opportunity to play. So that two, three, four minutes that they're playing, <laughs> we are recuperating, yeah. you know, in the, in the concert setting, this is why I have readers, you know, we play a tough chart and then you get to hear a page about the next composer. And then sometimes <laughs> I go, what's going on? Because <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm thinking of everything I can to uh, get, give the band uh, a chance to recuperate. And now that's kind of how I used to do the, the, you know, just give some random facts and people are like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know. And so now, now we've started to get very creative at, at how we have rehearsals or, or concerts. And even now that the, the, the age of the Rona, it's even, um, it's different. It's, we're looking, doing more virtual things. But uh, before that, we would, you know, do different things um, in between pieces and different mm -hmm. themed type concerts to type of, you know, try to create some variety, uh, if you will. But uh, yeah, I would just say that uh, in terms of, of keeping everybody in good health um, to be able to play, uh, we do consider that. Um, and we, we do try to make sure that we, uh, our practice regimen is conducive and safe for the students because it, it is manageable and it can be done. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize is uh, most of our HBCU programs, most of them, not all of them, most of us have year round concert programs as well. I know at Jackson State we do. So mm -hmm. just as much as you see us at the Honda Battle of the Bands or right. at Mardi Gras or, or, you know, doing that, playing a certain type of way, you can also observe our wind ensemble and our symphonic band and our concert bands um, playing what we like to call a paradigm shift because yeah. it's a to it's a totally different way of thinking, um, and you cannot bring that mentality of musicianship to the concert center. Mm -hmm. And so we also pride ourselves on having very smart students because they they really do make that transition, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they do it well. Yeah, and that speaks volumes for just the musicianship that you guys have, and that's awesome. <laughs> that's incredible. Thank you, I, thank versatility you. Versatility is amazing, and I don't know, it really shines through in just the performances that you guys have. It's absolutely, so cool. absolutely. <laughs> HBCU program fight the negative reactions from audiences when people like Justin Heidemann are given the opportunity to be the drum major of a program similar to this. In case anyone doesn't know, Justin Heidemann was one of the first Caucasian head drum majors at Jefferson Davis High School in Alabama. And he's been interviewed by like, I think like 60 Minutes or Good Morning America or something. And, you know, some people had a very negative side view of it as a, uh, you know, here they go trying to break into something like this. How does, how do, 
I guess, like, how do we fight these kind of negative reactions or um, resolve any kind of tension that might be from that? Well, I think it needs to become normal for people like, uh, or the minority um, to be involved uh, in programs, especially in leadership. Um, so, for instance, there need to be more Dr. Gregory Dreams mm. at Penn State. You know, there need to be more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and there really is. Just uh, we 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 just have to know about it and promulgate it. Um, right. I think there needs to be more. Um, you know representation um so it's not so much of a a raised eyebrow when you see that type of thing my experiences have have shown me a lot concerning that because when i took the program in palm bay uh it's not a predominantly black school uh however uh the community um and the school itself um developed a want for this certain style band it's really crazy how this happened i showed i showed up and i'm like what are you are you serious <laughs> you know, maybe we should maybe we should try to do what everyone else is doing and i can do that um however um they were like no they were very specific and they they were very sure Aww. that they wanted this type of band they had been influenced by bethune cook so okay, they okay. really wanted to have this type of energy in the community. So I said, okay, you know, as long as you support it, and they supported it, and uh, it would it happened. But essentially, you had a band that was predominantly white, um, because I I did have black students. It, I had my band was actually the cultural uh, melting pot of the school. Uh, it was the most diverse organization. It was, to tell you the truth, it was the most diverse organization on our campus. However, wow. because of the demographics, the white students did outweigh the other students. But what was fascinating was that they were doing this HBCU-style band. You know, I would encourage you, look Heritage High School up, uh, Palm Bay, Florida, uh, but it'll have, make sure it's the years of my reign because... <laughs> Prior and post uh, might not be the best representation of what I'm what I'm discussing here, and that'll be particularly uh, 2013 through 17. Okay. But if you look at that band, you will notice. Hopefully, if you see any up close, uh, you'll notice that yeah, my students weren't predominantly black, and so you would see them doing all of those moves. I mean, everything I did was. You know, and people were more wild than anything. You know, people were more wild than anything. But I did hear, um, um, and I don't want to go too far off uh, from dealing with um, the, the the topic at hand. But I did hear things like, "Oh well, uh, you know, all he plays is black music." Mm-hmm. You know, oh. and uh, I did. I got that complaint, mm-hmm. and uh, my principal. Um, <laughs> I was I was a very I was a loose cannon back then, but you know <laughs> my principal was crazy enough to even call me in about it, and he said, "I just want you to know I got this complaint." I said, "You know, are you serious, man? So you called me in to, to even tell me this?" Wow. And he said, and and I I thought t- to me that was me, uh, that was him saying that he he wanted to question. You know, is this the case? 
do you need to make some adjustments to the repertoire, you know? Right. Because that should have been, ma'am, you're crazy. Yeah. See you later. That should have been cut <laughs> dry. But it, it, exactly. It, 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 it was, you know, he still felt the need to discuss it with me. And uh, I felt so crazy about that because guess what? At the time, I had wrote, I had written about four or five Katy Perry tunes, mm. you know? You know, Iggy Azalea. That we we were. She was a dance feature, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute. These people aren't. They see. They don't understand. And they're so ignorant. Yeah. They right. say, "That's oh, so all he doing is playing." But you know, because they don't even understand. I'm playing popular music. Yeah. It, it, you know. Yeah. So anywho, um, to your point, you know, I am not surprised. I personally, I hate to be so redundant. Personally, I have not heard. Um, a lot of negative talk regarding this young man. Um, I know that he, um, the high school that he attended, the drum major uh, style was modeled after what we do here at Jackson State. The young man was, uh, he come to our camp. Um, he got some, some very good training here at Jackson State University. I think it's good that he's in college, you know, doing, um, you know, uh, and I, I'm not surprised that there's some negative talk about that. Um, I think we really should look at that situation or we should encourage people to look at that situation from a different angle because that young man could have went wherever he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But I think he found himself at Alabama State University. You know, I think yeah. that's where he's at. I think so. Um, yeah. And so he could he, he could have went to LSU. You yeah. Know, he could be at Southern Miss. He could be, uh, you know, um, at Texas. You know, uh, he could be anywhere but he is he's at Alabama State and I think he's been influenced um I think he's uh fallen in love certainly he's shown uh here at Jackson State that he he loves the culture and mm -hmm. that uh, he loves that that type of band um so uh I think the negative connotation that may come with that um I don't want to say it's jealousy, but I think it's so easy to see the positive and it's very hard to make the connections for the negative. Yeah. Um, because this is not anything his, obviously his parents wouldn't force him to go to Alabama state. Obviously there's no contract that because he was in this type of high school, he had to go to this type of college, you know, right. He made that decision. And so this was not, any effort of the HBCU to um, be inclusive, even though I think that there should be effort to be inclusive, you know? Yeah. Um, we should reach out and make sure that we recruit all students, no matter um, what demographic uh, they are. And I know that that's something that we at Jackson State, Texas Southern is doing a very fine job at that. You'll see um, lots of, you'll see, well, we're starting to see lots of Hispanic uh, population in our bands, uh, Jackson State. We have a, a Hispanic drum major um, in our in our um, in the Sonic Boom in the South, which is legendary. You know, uh, our first venture was having females uh, okay. as drum majors, um, and that was huge at the time. Um, and now it's 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 having um, you know drum majors who aren't black, um, which has been um, you know a, a rising uh, topic, um, but we we are we're dealing with that. Um, I can think of uh, North Carolina Central University, 
Uh, I know that they had a white drum major at, at, at one point. So I think that, that it just has to become normal um, mm-hmm. because people just need to know that that's the thing, you know. You know, I think it's very cool that uh, that he is getting I, – I saw a lot of positive attention. Hopefully he's still getting some positive attention. Um, but I, I do hate the negative attention. Yeah. Yeah, I reached out to him. Hopefully we could talk to him about it. I mean, <laughs> it'd be fascinating to talk to him about his experiences and things, so. So then I just have a personal question is uh, as a person who's been just in love with this style of marching band, uh, how did you, what was your reaction to drumline? Okay. um, When drumline came out, um, I was in, I want to say high school. Okay. I was in high school when it came out. What year did it, was it 2002? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, 2002. Yeah, I was in high school when that came out. And um, that, just to give you an example of what I thought, after every football game Friday night, I came home and watched Drumline. (laughs) Every Friday night. Every Friday night. Never got tired of it. Um, You know, learned all the music. Learned a lot of the band director lines. You know, um, I conduct, you know, I loved it. I loved it. You know, I do the little raps, you know, uh, yeah. you know, got me polishing drums to the break of dawn because I'm hitting yeah. up a classman named Sean on and on, you know, we was doing uh, all of that, you know, and, um, you know, uh, Dr. Lee's infamous, infamous, uh, good morning. Yeah. Good morning to music. Yep. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I love that, and um, to this day, you know, I still, uh, for kicks, you know, when I feel like it's been a while, I'll I'll, I'll bring it up, watch a little bit of it. Um, I will say, uh, as an expert now, because I, I was in high school back then, uh, as an expert now, I do know that that's not exactly what, what goes on, but I think it, it's a very cool way to get people thinking about it. You know, yeah. to be honest, because there were some aspects um, that are consistent, but not completely. But, you know, right. most of the time when you think about TV, it's always some superficial, superficial uh, you know, element to it. Mm-hmm. I think if we wanted it to be more real, we probably should have gone the documentary approach. Um, but when you consider that it had to be a movie, uh, you know, there had to be a storyline, you know, there had to be that type of setup. Uh, you know, I think it works because um, it still gets kids uh, geared up for band. And um, so, you know, um, but now the following drum lines, I will tell you, I tried to watch maybe the second one, <laughs> a new beat or something like that. And it's just not, yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's just, just not not happening <laughs> yeah i did like the, the vh1 bethune cookman uh documentary that they had um, yeah and you know even that was very limited i watched yeah. every second of that every second of that because I, I i love that program yeah that was a really good really insightful one too and it was very it was very geared to like drama and auxiliary mm-hmm. and stuff like that which i think is good but that's 
they could have gotten, I, I felt like it could have gone, I think it was like 15 minute segments or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were super I know, short. I just think it, it should have been something a little bit more uh, extensive, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, there were some, some realistic elements, uh, but it just wasn't enough realistic element for me to to make it a, 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 a good picture of what, what's happening. It felt like they were trying to make it like point, Jersey Shore or something, you know. Right, right. You know, they they just at at some point they just they don't want to expose too much. Right. They want to make sure what they expose is right. And I guess the the little flag girl drama. I guess that, that <laughs> mild enough. I guess it's mild enough. But uh, yeah, Donovan Wells. He he is an awesome bander. I just wish they would have gotten a little bit more of of how he pulls those performances off. Because I'm pretty sure you would really enjoy some of his uh some of his talks to the band that is but yeah it's it's just uh we have a very exciting program here at Jackson State um and I'm I'm just I'm thankful you guys uh took the time out to talk to me I tell a little bit about what we do (laughs) oh so great oh my gosh I feel like I learned so much (laughs) oh thank you down with us this has just been awesome yeah, thank yeah. you. It's been, I mean, I, of course, I love it. So I want to know more about it. So. <laughs> hey, man, have me back anytime. I, yeah. I, I would love to come back and share more. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sounds of the World podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. There are links to everything in the episode description and also on our website. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sounds of the World. To show support for Sounds of the World podcast, please join our Patreon, where you can have access to our after-party discussions with guests, discounted merchandise, and even more. If you have any questions, answers, or episode suggestions, please email us at soundsoftheworldpodcast at gmail.com. Well, Bill, I think I'm going to go have a beer now. Hey, there you go.